We're in Philippians. We're in a series called Choose Joy. And, you know, I know it's a hard thing to realize, but if you're unhappy, it's because you're choosing to be unhappy. I know that they literally say on your face, now, I, don't Google this now because you'll lose your phone till after church. Someone will grab it. But they literally say it takes more muscles to frown than to smile. Now, haven't you heard that? That may be urban legend and may, don't ruin it with the facts, but you know, it, it, so if you smile, just fake it. That took less effort than, boy, some of you are looking at me right now. You're scaring me. So, you know, a smile is a choice though. It's a, it, it's an attitude and it's, it doesn't mean you can change your circumstances. Doesn't mean you change your emotions, but it's a choice to say, I want to choose joy. And we're following Paul, the apostle who's writing to these people, uh, that he's, as he's locked with a Roman soldier in house arrest and he's writing about joy. And this guy's either crazy or this is what faith can do. It, it, he's not denying that he's in house arrest. He's not denying that life, he's on trial that it could cost him his life, martyrdom. And so he's facing life or death. He's, he's, he's in this, this situation which he's not sure which way it's gonna go. So you may be in an awkward place right now in life. But you're not in that place, but that doesn't minimize where you're at, but you may have some hard decisions that you're between, as they say, a rock and a hard place. And he's gonna literally use that word that he's between a rock and a hard place. And he's trying to decide, and I want you to get uh, his heartbeat and how this guy is able to have joy and 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 it's it's a secret but it's an open secret it's it's not complicated but it's extremely challenging and difficult so we're going to pick up reminding you that he's writing to them about even though he's been locked up it hadn't locked up the gospel and he's going to kind of uh, uh we'll pick up where we left off a little bit in verse 18 there were guys that were preaching that their only motive was to cause him trouble there's people in your life that their mission in life is to make you unhappy so paul's like nah, i'm not going to pay attention to them that's hard not to do when there's people that are just doing things to drive you crazy. Uh, and Paul's like, man, I'm not, they're not going to steal my joy. There's some of you that watch people on the news that do that to you. Isn't that crazy that we watch people that are literally like, I, I just can't, I just, there's certain, per, there's certain political people that I, I would often think God would whisper to me, what would you do if they were in your church? I'm like, They steal my joy from just being on TV. Just looking at them, I lose joy. And, and, and so, let alone their, their demeanor and, and, and their, anyway. So we let that happen. They come into your home and steal your joy. They go on your Facebook, steal your joy. They're on your Twitter, they're joyous. So Paul says, no, I'm not gonna let it happen. And, and this is what he focused on at the end of verse 18. He says, and because of this, I'm going to rejoice. And yes, the end of the verse, yes, I'm going to continue to rejoice. It's the choice. I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to give in to despair, anger, frustration. I'm going to choose to rejoice. And here's why. Verse 19, for I know that through your prayers and God's supply or provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Paul's confident two things. One, not that he's big, bad, tough Paul. Not that he's superhero Paul. I'm going to sail through the difficulties. He's a Paul that's a weak man that knows he needs family, friends, 
He needs the body of Christ. He needs prayer. Now think about it. This is a great test of humility. If you want to know, here's a, there's lots of things you can do to humble yourself. But one of the best things you could do is to say to someone, would you pray for me? Think about when's the last time you've asked somebody to pray for you. It could be on the phone, could be at the cross after church, could be in a small group, could be just in a conversation. Hey, before we end this, hey, could you, could you pray for me? Now, that doesn't sound like much, but Paul says, I'm going to get out of the worst jam that you could ever imagine because I know there are people like you, the, Philippi, the, 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 the Philippians, they're, they're, he, he just, he's not assuming. He knows they're crying out to God. I have people in this church that will come to me regularly and say, Pastor, do you know that my wife and I pray for you and your wife every day? I'm like, wow. I mean, that is the, the biggest honor. In the, and, and I know that's one of the things about heaven when God pulls back the curtains and it says, well, look, you know, Jamie got through this difficult time and well, and we all thought, man, he, and, and let me show you how he got through it. And he shows the people that were crying out to God on my behalf. You know, it's, it's, it's humbling to know that God chooses to work in his kingdom through people, prayers, and the work of his spirit. So don't ask for prayer. Guess what? You might still get it out of mercy, but God expects us to be a people that, that pray for ourselves, but don't be prideful to say, I need prayer. I need wisdom. I need help. I need strength. I need healing. Whatever it is. Paul says, I know I'm going to get through this because your prayers and the Holy Spirit is going to come in his only way as he can. Like the wind, he's going to come and support, strengthen, and get me through this difficult circumstance. And here's what keeps him going. Verse 20. I'm eagerly expectant and I'm hopeful that I will no way be ashamed, but I will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. This is what drove Paul. That Paul says, I, I don't want to be ashamed of Jesus. I don't want to give in to fear. I, I want to have a life that's built on the motivation that I want to bring honor and glory to Jesus Christ. You got to understand that this guy was captured by Jesus 30 years earlier. He was out on a mission as a, as a terrorist. He thought he was serving God. And he was dragging Christians into jail, having them tortured, and some of them even killed. Now, this is a, this is a guy that was a bad person, but he thought he was a good person. He was religious. You know, I said something the other day, Kim and I were talking to this guy and he found out we we're pastors. And I said, I said, yeah, we're pastors. I said, but I, I, and I don't know why I said it. I said, but you know, religious people can be some of the meanest people on the earth. You know, that's true. I've lived my whole adult life in church with religious people and they can be the meanest snakes that you could ever find. You won't find them at the, at the Kiwanis club near as mean. I don't know why that is, but overall, there's far better, more, the most wonderful people I've ever known, and you're not going to find them in other places either. It's the fact that there is this need for all of us. You can know the Bible, but not be joyful. You can know about religion, and you can come to church, and you can tell other people how to do it, but you can be miserable. As the old preacher said, looks like you got baptized in pickle juice. You're all shriveled up and bitter and rah, 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 rah. And there's some really religious, conservative, mean, spirited people. 
and they're better than everybody else and they want to tell everybody else how to do it. And Paul's like, no, no, I want my life to be characterized as it honors Jesus. Now that's a simple statement to say, but it's a profound challenge to live out. He says, I want to magnify or to exalt Christ in every area of my life. And then here's his motto. Here's his life verse, if you want to use it that way. It's not something he had tattooed on him. It's something that was born in his heart. Verse 21, for, me, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Maybe 12 words. This is a verse Again, you can memorize it, you could agree with it, but that doesn't mean you're living it. If I started today and we had a big blank up here, or you had a blank sheet of paper, and you didn't already know the answer, so this isn't a, the right answer, it's the honest answer. If you filled in the blank, for me to live is blank. Now don't blurt out the answer and embarrass yourself, so just, but just think how, and to yourself. In all honesty, with, 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 you know, before God, what would be in that blank? For me to live is my children, could be. Doesn't mean it's a bad thing. For me to live is uh, my, my work. For me to live is my relationships. For me to live is my friends. For me to live is financial success. For, for me to live is what, whatever fills that blank determines the course of your life. This is the, now many people, they don't even know what they would put in that blank because they're not even living. They're, exi they're existing. They, they, do you know that most people in the world are putting one foot in front of the other and they're existing. They, they, they're, they're, there's, there's no sense of purpose, direction, and meaning. Why do I go to work? Well, it's to get a paycheck. If that's why you go to work, then you're, you're, you're not going to be a happy employee because there's not a big enough paycheck to make you happy on a job that you hate going to because you're going to that job for the wrong reasons. Paul says he made tents. He worked with his hands, but he didn't say for me to live is to make tents. He did make a living making tents. He said, for me to live, I'm going to sum up my whole life in one word, Christ. Now, 30 years earlier, this isn't a rookie here. This isn't some emotional spasm. Oh, I love Jesus! This is a guy that's been stoned and beaten and shipwrecked and gone without food for weeks. This is a guy that's been beaten with rods on his back two or three times. I mean, not talking about incidents with like 30 lashes. I mean, this is a guy that has had heartache and heartbreak. People betrayed him. This is a guy that's been in prison and had every kind of difficulty. And this is a guy that says, you know what? For me to live is the one I met 30 years earlier, who I fell in love with because he loved me. He forgave me. He gave me grace. He gave me love. When we lifted that cup this morning and celebrated being forgiven, no one celebrated forgiveness more than Paul. He called himself the worst sinner there ever was. He, he was a guy that was, was gripped with. He goes on in this book and he, and he describes coming to Jesus as being arrested by Christ, captured, by, apprehended by Christ in a good way. His love just blew him away. 
And until that happens, it happened to me at 18. It didn't make me instant anything. It didn't make me perfect nothing. But it, God captured my heart at a young age with, you know, I had no purpose. And if you ask me, now, some kids have a good vision. They want to go learn to do that, maybe be a teacher or be a, a, a professor in a school or be a, a, a constructor. There, there, there's nothing wrong with having other things besides Christ in the sense of, of ambition. But if that fills the blank first, you'll never find the joy that Jesus gives. Because Paul's joy wasn't in an occupation it was in a person, Jesus. His meaning of life wasn't in a religion. It was in a relationship. Paul's delight was in knowing Jesus. My favorite verse in Philippians is in 310, and we'll get to it, but he, he literally says after 30 years, I want to know him. It's like, Paul, you've written about him. You've met him. You've Actually, he tells the story that he died and went to heaven and saw wonders. And God said, you're not going to talk about that. But he talked about Jesus everywhere he went. He was the wonder of his, of his life. He was the lover of his soul. He fulfilled Paul. There was no mention of Paul being married. We, he could have been married and his wife died. She could have left him. We, we don't know his backstory. But we know he was consumed with the love of Jesus it filled him for me to live. Not Christ and it's Christ. Now to get there is a journey. Until you fall in love with him and you receive his love for you, he's just going to be kind of a, an add-on to your life. Yeah, yeah, we do church. We do Jesus a little bit, you know, once or twice a week. But Paul, it wasn't about a religion. It was about a relationship. He, he knew Christ. He wanted to know Christ better. He wanted to grow. He wanted to serve him. He, it just, it was just, again, this isn't a tattoo. And it's not a bad tattoo if to get one for me to live as Christ. But that's a, a bold challenge. And I think, sometimes I think how, how deeply I was enmeshed in Jesus in my younger years. But as you get older, it's easy to become used to communion. You become used to worship. You become used to the Bible. You become used to his love. It's like, yeah, Jesus loves me. I know that. But when's the last time it drew tears? When's the last time you just wanted to get alone with him and just be with him and, and let him love on you? See, this is where joy is in the secret to Paul's joy was a person, Christ. He had joy because of Jesus, not because of I'm no longer in jail, not because I'm, everybody's making me happy, not because life is going the way I want it to. Paul says, because look at the next part of this phrase. For me to live, say it with me, is Christ. Come on, let's try it again. For me to live, let me say it the way. Let me just read it so we'll do it exactly right. Say it with me. For, for to me, to live is Christ. Let's say it. For to me, to live is Christ. And 
to die is gain. So in other words, Paul says, okay, you say, it's easy for you to say, what happens when you die? Paul says, listen to me. And he's going to go on and talk about this dilemma being between, should I stay on earth and live with Jesus or should I go be with him? And he says, he calls death gain. Doesn't mean dying is gain. It's what comes after it for Paul. It, it's, it's, it's what he's looking, he's speaking of somebody that's already been there. He's already tasted, he, and, and, he, and it's interesting, he doesn't talk about the beauties and the wonders and the smells and the, the you know, you hear about people from time to time that have these uh, out-of-the-body experiences near death or they died and they see heaven and they come and write a book about it. You know, Paul wasn't allowed to talk about it, so I start there. Number two, a lot of times those people never talk much about Jesus. They'll talk about angels. They'll talk about clouds and mountains and all that. And that's fine. Let me tell you something. You take Jesus out of heaven, it's hell. There is no heaven without Jesus. If you take Jesus out of the eternity, then you're living in the land of despair and destruction. Jesus is the source. For, as for me to live is Christ. But to die is even better. Why? Because you get more Jesus. It's not about the, the bells and whistles. Angels are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Jesus. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to be with him face to face. He says, that's, 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 that's the bonus. How I've lived loving him, I die seeing him. It's not like I'm going to meet him and he's going to be a stranger. It's not like I'm going to meet him and go, oh, wow. Maybe I, I, I should worship you. No, he, it's how he's living. Paul teaches us how to die by learning how to live. If you, if you know how to live, you don't have to worry about dying. But if you don't know how to live, you better worry about dying. Because you're not going to be ready. You, 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 Paul says that he's not talking about, well, you know, you're going to see this first and then that person and blah, blah, blah. No, he says, listen, for me to live is Christ. And when I die... I'm going to go see him. He'll say that in a minute. Let's, so he's, this is all in the context of how do you have joy, Paul? Because I live to honor Christ. He's my life. He says in verse 22, if I'm going to go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor. In other words, I'm going to keep working for Christ. This will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I'm torn between the two. The idea here is I'm between a rock and a hard place. I desire to depart and be, I circle this in my Bible, with Christ. There's so much in this one little verse. The word desire here isn't just like, well, that'd be nice. It's a word that's used for inappropriate desires as in lust. Craving. He says, I crave, I yearn, I long for passionately to depart. The word depart has two earthly meanings in a, the way the word is used in, in non-biblical ways in, in, the, in their culture. It was used of, of, a, of an army breaking camp, tearing down the tent and heading out. So in other words, Paul's saying, I'm ready to tear this tent down, his body. Not that he wanted to get rid of his body, but you can't go to be with Jesus and take your body yet. It's a several stage event here. Our soul 
doesn't want to let go of this body. Now, I know some people are broken inside and they hate their body. They hate, and I, and I get, you know, that, that there's, there's all kinds of brokenness about, I want to just, if I could just escape my body, I'll be, uh, be uh, whole. And, and you're not whole without your body. Paul, Paul calls it being unclothed, unfleshed. To, to remove our bodies is to expose our souls in a way that the soul says, I'm not, I, I don't like this. I'm par, that's part of me. I need that. But Paul says, I'm desirous to depart, to, to dismantle the tent because I'm going to go be with Christ. And he covers, there's some kind of garment that God gives us after death. It's not permanent. Because there's a new body coming at the resurrection. This is an in-between, the intermediate state. It's not soul sleep as some churches teach. It's not purgatory. It's, to, Paul says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He says it here. I long to depart and be with Christ. That's the gain back when he says for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The gain is I'm with Christ. He says, but I, I don't know which, what I'm supposed to do. To depart, I want to, which is, he says here, which is better by far. There's three words in the original language. There's two in the English. Better, or there's three, by far. But it literally says very far better. It's hard to even say it. It's, it's, it's almost like bad English. But it's, he, he's just throwing in these, these, these comparatives. It's, it's not just much better, but it's very much better. It's, it's not just, it's going to be good. It's good, better, and gooder, whatever, the, whatever words you want to add to it. Paul like, runs out of words. He says, I can't compare. I want to be with Jesus, which is mind-blowingly better than anything that could be offered to me because there's a loss in death. You just have to be, I mean, death is painful on a human level. You're giving up your body that you've loved and lived in and, and been supported by. You're leaving loved ones. You're leaving everything you've ever worked for to accomplish, all your possessions. You're leaving family and friends. It's a, it's a departure. That's the other use of this word. It's not just tearing down a camp and moving on. It's untying of a boat. And launching out to the deep. Paul says in Timothy, the last book he wrote, the time of my departure is at hand. It's this same word here. The time, I'm, I'm, my, my bags are packed. I'm on, the, I'm on the boat. Untie and push me out because I'm ready to go. Paul says that I, I long for this because it's very far better. It's, it, it's, it's just much, much better better. It's a, it, 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 there's nothing to compare it to. He's had a taste of it now, but he says this, don't miss this. I'm torn between two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. Verse 24, but it is more necessary for you. This is the church that I remain in the body. Now this is, this is where joy is it, 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 it just enlarged is when you're torn between two decisions one is much more beneficial for you 
in, in ways of joy and release of pain and, and struggles. And Paul no longer would be wearing uh, a, a broken body and, and no longer fighting the flesh and temptation. And, and he'll be with the presence of Jesus. But he says, you know, I look at this church and they need me. There are people that need me. You know, it's a healthy thing to have something that needs you. And not in a broken way of, I need to be needed, but in a way of, I, I, I serve others. And what I do is important to help others, whether it's through prayer, love, kindness, acts of kindness, doing things, presence, being there for people. Paul says, listen, I, I, where his joy is, because he goes on and he says to these people in, in verse 25, I'm convinced of this, I know that I'm going to remain. In other words, I'm not going to die. I'm going to continue with all of you for your progress and your joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. In other words, I, I, I'm needed and I'm going to choose. If God gives me a choice, which it's ultimately up to God, I'm going to choose what's best for others. That's a hard decision to make. When, you know, and, and Kim and I, we, we've had to make that decision in many ways over the years. One of our hardest is when we, 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 we got a great gift from Pastor Charles. He's a photographer. It was our pictures. Kim and I took them. But he helped lay them out and took our sabbatical and put them in a book, which many of you just graciously invested in us to be able to do. We got the book back, and my wife and I sat and cried and laughed. We went through it one page, one picture, one tear at a time of celebrating this journey that we had on sabbatical where we were away from the church for five months. And I'm just going to, don't take this the wrong way, but I mean, I didn't miss you at all. And I just, I, I know that's terrible. I know that sounds terrible. I didn't miss my kids. I mean, a little bit. I mean, I missed the grandbabies. But we, we, we literally didn't know if we wanted to come back and do this again. And we've been, at the time, been doing it for 41 years. And so we've got a lot, of, a lot of water under the bridge, a lot of miles under the hood. And, uh, and you know, but we felt from the Lord that it just it wasn't time to step away. It just wasn't time. It's not that we're heroic and it's not that we, you know, God couldn't brace up somebody else and, and, and the church will go on. But we just felt from God it was necessary that we're not done yet. And, and he's not done. And you can't be done till he's done. And so we signed back up for a tour of duty. And um, I hope you're happy. We are. Uh, we're enjoying it. We've got gas in the tank. And, and we're, we're grateful for what God's doing among us. He's given us the gift of a church that's healthy enough to host a conference with 65 churches in our new region from Texas to Louisiana to Florida. And he's given us a church that's strong enough and healthy enough and, and serving enough and giving enough that we're able to say, hey, we'll host a conference, which in July we will. And there'll be leaders coming from all over, tired and weary and worn out, and we're going to love on them. And, and it's, it's, it's more needful. I've had friends in the church to give up some vacation because they felt it was more needful to be at the conference and to serve. And, and I think when you can boil your decisions into that, say, I'm torn, I'm between a rock and a hard place. In this case, Paul's like, I, I, I could go be with Jesus. And that's ultimately all I want. But right now, 
God's got things for me to do. If you live life with a sense of purpose, because without purpose, people die. Do you know how quickly people that retire from jobs that are high adrenaline, they, they, like police officers, they, 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 they die. Football coaches, the mortality of people that are in a high-stress job when they retire, and if they don't have something to give themselves to, that's why I don't think I could ever be able to retire. I don't have anything else to give myself to. And I don't want to die right after I retire. That's no fun. So I just keep working because I at least know I enjoy doing that. I love what God gives us grace to do when there's joy. Without joy, whatever you do is drudgery. How do you find joy? You come back to why do I do what I do? Are you doing it with Christ? Are you doing it for Christ? Are you doing it by Christ's wisdom and strength? Or are you just living life the way you trying to figure it out? So well, how do I do that, Jamie? Well, you start with making sure your life is completely in God's hands. That you have surrendered and said, Jesus. You know, my wife was a, a teenager in a church and had found Jesus. And she got a call in one of the services to serve God wherever he would lead you, especially to the mission field. And we're, how old were you? 20? You were probably 20. I said 18. You're 20. And she went forward with one other girl. And she wept. And she said, God, I'll go to the mission field if that's where you want me to go. But the mission field God had for her was me. And I'm a foreign land. Let me just help you. And she's been working on me for the whole time we've been in the ministry. Every year of our marriage, we spent serving the church in ministry. And I just say the joy of being able to say, God, I'm all yours. And whatever you do, you don't have to, it doesn't matter. It, 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 it's the pay's the same to God. It's, it's doing it with him, for him. So when you get up to work tomorrow, and you could literally, for you to live if it's Christ, then you're going to work with Jesus. You, you, you don't, doesn't mean, it doesn't matter whether you sell things or build things or fix things or teach people or, or whatever you're, you're, it doesn't matter if you're doing it with him. And see how that changes your life? So trace your lack of joy back to the fact of what are you living for? Who are you living for? What are you looking for? What are you, look, what are you looking for out of life? Well, I just want to be happy. Well, I, you better shoot for something bigger than that. Because there's going to be times you're going to be sorrowful. There's times you're going to suffer. You've got to have a bigger vision than just some selfish, self-absorbed, I want to be safe, secure, and happy. Well, okay, everybody does. But that doesn't, you can be safe, you can feel secure, but they don't make you happy. And so God is inviting us, think some of you this morning, maybe all of us, to say, can you fill that blank in with, for me, as for me, I can't speak for anyone else, for me to live, my purpose, my source, my strength, my passion, my life, for me to live is Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you go live in a monastery. That doesn't mean you go, it just means that you have a sense of surrendered purpose to everything you do is with and for Jesus. And when death comes, 
and it will. It's not a massive adjustment. It's a departure. And you leave behind things you love, things you care about, like your body, but it'll be regained at the resurrection. So it's very far better to go be with Christ, but only if you know him and you're serving him. Death is not the magic bullet that transports everybody into nirvana. I just want to get out of this life. Well, you better make sure you're ready to meet Jesus. You better know Jesus now before you try to meet him then. It's not going to be a good experience. It's not going to solve anything to have your life end here and some selfish choice and not be ready to meet Jesus as Paul. So his life was like, Lord, you know what I want. I want to be with you. But it seems like I'm needed. You, you need me. And so I'm going to choose to do what these people, I'm going to help their joy. I want them to grow in their faith. I want to be a blessing to others. I hope that's your heart because that's where joy comes from. For me to live is Christ. Is that your blank filled in with him? Let's pray. And you know, it's not filling in a blank. It's Christ filling in our heart. For me to live is Christ means that I've surrendered my full life to him. Have you done that? If you haven't, what a wonderful time. Whether you're watching online or you're in here, just to say, Jesus, I want to surrender all of me to you my sins, my problems, my good things, my relationships, my hobbies, my desires, my dreams. I lay them in your hands for me to live is Christ. Begin that journey by that surrender. Now you continue that journey by continuing to grow in that seeking after the Lord and where things have crowded in and crowded him out and put him in the back seat and put him in the, the you know, just dusty Bible. I haven't really talked to Jesus much. He's not mad at you. He just misses you. He wants to be at the table with you. He wants to go to work with you. He wants to help raise those children with you so that you can say for me to live as Christ and I'll parent with him. I'll go to work with him. I'll be married with him. For me to live is Christ. Father, I just pray that you'll just bless this time of, of worship and ministry and, and surrender. Lord, if there's one that just hasn't made that, given you their yes of come be my all in my life, come be my Lord. Give them courage to do that this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,